This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Did you know that more people have actually died exploring underwater caves than climbing Mount Everest? Now, I didn't know that, right? Because we hear a lot about Mount Everest. You do not hear a lot about that statistic. And we know more about deep space than we do about some of the deepest areas of our oceans. Well, a lot of this you can learn actually in this fascinating new book called Into the Planet, My Life as a Cave Diver. And all morning long when I have been promoting the story, I have said, you're going to meet somebody who has one of the most fascinating and probably most dangerous jobs that you've ever heard of. And that is true. Jill Heinerth joins us now, Canadian cave diver and underwater explorer. Jill, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. The book is fascinating. What made you want to write this? Thanks. Uh, you know, I think I'm still that that little kid in kindergarten that loved show and tell. And I, I love the opportunity to share with people things that they'll never have a chance to see. The first line of the book says, mm-hmm. if I die, it will be in the most glorious place that nobody has ever seen. Does that thought cross your mind sometimes when you're in these places? Oh, sure. I mean, I've definitely had some some close calls in life, uh, but it's not like I have a death wish. <laughs> you know, I try to prepare properly with equipment and training and and you know mental preparation before going into these environments because they are incredibly risky. Yeah. What is it exactly that you do for people who don't know? So, you know, underwater caves are something that's pretty abstract to most people. These are water-filled spaces beneath the surface of the earth and I'm swimming through these environments like in the veins of Mother Earth, in the groundwater, the sustenance of the planet. And these caves are virtually museums of natural history, containing information about Earth's past climate, containing the remains of past civilizations, and even the bones of extinct animals. Sounds very dangerous, though. It is, yeah, because everything that can possibly go wrong in this environment, and there's a lot, you have to be able to handle on your own in this overhead environment. You can't just swim to the surface for help. So you're there is no air pocket, there's no whatever. There's no direct ascent to the surface. So I might be miles inside the planet on a branching conduit, and I have to find my way back to the entrance, back to the daylight. How? <laughs> I was just imagining that. It sounds terrifying to me. But how did you learn that this was something that you were good at? <laughs> One step at a time, really. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I started as a young scuba diver, and um, I enjoyed caving in dry cave environments. And when I had the chance to put those two together, it was like this light bulb went off and it's like, oh, this is incredible. This is an environment I had never envisioned before. And exploring it has been an incredible privilege. Clearly you're not claustrophobic, Jill. I don't have a bit of claustrophobia, no. no. I was that kid building a fort in the kitchen cupboard. (laughs) burrowing into the kitchen cupboard there because like I feel a little claustrophobic just thinking about the places that you have gone tell us about some of the most amazing places that you've been well I've been inside icebergs in Antarctica I've been underneath the Sahara Desert I've been in the Ural Mountains in Siberia and the longest gypsum cave in the world and even inside a volcano the Monte Corona volcano in water-filled lava tubes that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking just off air before we started. I said, boy, you must have been following what was going on in Thailand mm-hmm. uh, with the cave rescue there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There were some of my very dearest friends and expedition colleagues that that led that rescue effort. And it's great to have a happy ending to a cave diving story. Yeah. yeah. Do you think people, do they fully understand 
what it is that you're doing down there? Is it, it's hard to comprehend. Yeah, it is hard to com- comprehend. It takes so much training and preparation, practice, proficiency in order to go into these environments. And, you know, it's not something you can just swim into on a lark. And people that do don't come back from that. It's very serious. Can you walk us through the preparation then? Like, how mm-hmm. long do you go down for? What do you see? Do you take pictures? How does this work? Yeah, so my specialty is um, bringing back documentation. So pictures and videos. So sometimes for scientists, sometimes for TV networks. And um, when I swim into that environment, I might be wearing the same kind of life support equipment that an astronaut would wear to make a spacewalk. So I could have up to five or 600 pounds of equipment that I'm swimming into this cave to a place that nobody's ever been before with a lot of lights, um, sometimes alone, sometimes with a big team. And uh, we work together. Uh, We can't talk to each other underwater, but we'll communicate with our lights and uh, sometimes alone you said and I was just thinking of a story we discussed earlier about people feeling lonely in their neighborhoods how lonely is a feeling as that like being miles Mm. into a cave underground by yourself I would say it's like focus. It's it's the ultimate focus. When I submerge underneath the water, everything topside disappears. All the sounds, all the distractions, you know, you know, you're completely focused on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this? Well, uh, very slowly. Uh, it takes so much training and experience in order yeah. to to do this well. Um, so I was, you know, first a, a scuba diver and an instructor, a technical diver, an underwater photographer, and then into caves one step at a time. Do you have? favorite caves, favorite dives that you have done? Mm -hmm. My very favorite in terms of beauty would be these caves that are in Abaco in the Bahamas, the very location where Hurricane Dorian just Mm. ran across the Bahamas. And uh, these caves are like swimming inside of crystal chandeliers. There's beautiful stalactites, stalagmites that you're weaving your way through. There's even places like one spot where there's a bat that's trapped underneath the calcite. So when the cave was dry under previous lower ocean levels, a bat flew in there, died, and then became encased in the rock. And you can see him through this clear crystal. It's beautiful. Does it occur to you sometimes, must, when you're down there and you're seeing some of these things that nobody else has ever seen this before on Earth? Absolutely, and nobody ever will in many cases. And the kind of information that I'm bringing back for scientists informs them about things, new discoveries, new species, you know, new archaeology, extinct animals that have never been documented before. Yeah, okay. What is the most amazing thing then that you have seen down there? Not just in the most amazing cave, but uh-huh. wow. There oh, there's so much. I mean, we found ice age bear skulls in caves in Mexico. We find fascinating um live animals swimming in these caves that live their entire life in the darkness of the underwater cave. Animals that um, predate the extinction of the dinosaurs. So living, swimming dinosaurs, only they're small. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite animal is this thing called remipede. So it's uh, it's very small. If it were the size of a cat, it would be the deadliest animal on the planet because it has venomous fangs and pincers and it can attack things and um, inject How big them. is this thing? It's yeah, about an inch and a half long at the most. Okay. Yeah. And it can kill its prey, turn the guts into jello and then suck the life out of this thing over time. <laughs> 
that sounds like a really bad or horrible movie <laughs> yeah. is what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, your book, of course, there's a lot of fascinating things in there that I've covered, but your book called Into the Planet, My Life as a Cave Diver is also very personal. It is. Where you talk about growing up. Was this a cathartic thing for you to write this? It was. I mean, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, I wanted to be vulnerable. I wanted to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, it's, I'm not some like chest-beating hero going off and doing something brave. I'm actually scared most of the time when I go diving and I want to dive with people that are scared and I wanted to share that with people and hopefully that would help them to take on things that were scary in their own lives. You said you want to dive with people who are scared. Why? Well, we both, because we both understand risk and it means we both want to come home at the end of the day to our families and we're not going to do things that are unnecessary. We know when to turn around. So you that keeps you smart, essentially. It does, yeah. I can't get too cocky. Yeah, absolutely. You get too cocky and you get dead fast, yeah. Are there places that you still want to go, places that are on that list mm. of things that you haven't seen yet? Yeah, absolutely. There's a world of places I haven't visited yet. I, I still, I wouldn't call it a bucket list because I feel like I'm, I'm living my dreams every day. I pinch myself with, with what I get to do. It's great, you know. But destinations, yes. Scientific discoveries, yes. So many things. Things I have left. Like what? Well, I, you know, I've got ongoing work in California mapping caves in 3D with exciting technology that's destined for space. I've got work ongoing in the Arctic where I get to talk about climate change, a really important issue that we all need to understand more about. And that all feels pretty important to me. How many people do what you do, Phil? Uh, you know, not too many people make a full-time I know, I was going to say, what, two, three in the entire <laughs> yeah. world? How many people do? There can't well, be very many. Yeah, however, you know, I'm, I have a hybrid career. I'm doing whatever I need to do to stay in the water, this place that I love and I'm passionate about. And I think kids today need to look towards a future where they have hybrid careers too and need to learn to write and shoot photos and talk publicly and employ all kinds of different literacies to do what they love. They're living in the gig economy, much much like right. me. They're not going to work for a boss for the rest of their lives. Because you started out in advertising, I seem to remember. I did. From the book, is that you went to graphic design school and started out running an advertising company. Yeah, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts. That's my educational background. Um but, you know, what do you do to become a cave diver, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't really go to school for something like that. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, you can do anything today with the global interconnectivity that we have. You can reach out to people, volunteer, learn to do things through unconventional means, like not through going to a college program, but by reaching out and interning with somebody. So this is a great book tour that you have been on. You told me you've been on the road for quite a while now. Uh, what is the next big job for you, though? What are you doing next? Yeah, more of this work um, in California, more in the Arctic. I'm going to Truck Lagoon soon and to the Philippines. So I've got all kinds of exciting things coming got up a lot in the of next work few months. Up. Well, the book was fascinating. Thank you so much for telling us all about it. Oh, thank you. Greatest job I've ever heard, Jill. That's a really good one. I admire that. That's Jill Heinert, the Canadian cave diver and underwater explorer. The book is called Into the Planet, My Life as a Cave Diver. You should definitely check that out.